Welcome to the Her Vibe is Pretty podcast, where you'll be guided on how to step up into your evolved woman, design your dream life, and start living it. Let's get vibey. Hey, Pretty Vibe Tribe. Welcome back to the show. This week, I'm doing a very special episode for you guys all about food and body. A couple weeks ago, I did a poll survey on my stories and I asked a bunch of different questions just to kind of get a feel for where you guys are at with your relationship to food and your body. And at the end, I asked you guys for specific questions on this topic. And you guys gave me the greatest, deepest questions ever. I received so many great, amazing questions that are going to end up creating so much wisdom and knowledge for you guys when it comes to these topics. So much so that this is going to end up being a multiple part episode. This is going to be part one, but part one might end up becoming two parts. This first one is going to be all about your relationship to food. So if you struggle with binge eating, emotional eating, an eating disorder of any sorts, if you struggle with restricting or counting calories or have any food disconnect, this episode is for you. And then in next week's episode, we're going to talk about your relationship to your body, self-love, body love. I'll answer all of your body-based questions. And then there's going to end up being a part three in the future. That's going to be about what to eat specifically. I got a lot of different questions on what do I eat to nourish my body? Can I get some healthy recipes that are good to pass around? So that will end up being a part three that will be posted later on, maybe a couple months down the road. I want to start by talking about why I'm doing this episode. Obviously, you know, you guys ask me questions. That's the very logical answer. You guys ask me questions and I have questions to answer, but it goes deeper than that. Why did I even ask those questions in the first place? Majority of you know by now that I used to really struggle with my relationship to food and my body. And actually for years and years and years, I didn't even realize it. And the reason I didn't realize it is because it's so normalized. It is so normalized for women, especially, but men as well to have funky relationships to food and our bodies. Why is that? Because diet culture makes a lot of money on us hating our bodies and on us having distorted relationships to food. So I struggled with this for a really, really long time especially binge and emotional eating. I would go back and forth between calorie counting, counting macros, and then giving it all up and binge and emotional eating. I will say that even when I was calorie counting, emotional eating still came in time and time again, but this was an issue for me for a really, really long time. And I didn't realize until I did how destructive it was to my overall life and my quality of life. If you've been following me on Instagram for a while, you probably have seen posts before where I talk about how binge and emotional eating would literally keep me in the house and it would keep me from going out and socializing, having a good time with friends. I would just choose to eat and sit in front of Netflix instead of socialize, instead of date when I was single, instead of live my life. When I started my business, binge and emotional eating was my quote unquote protector from growing my business, I would experience sensations of anxiety, fear, doubt, and worry from my business. And so I would turn to food. It was the way that I would procrastinate. I could go on and on about my journey with this, but I actually have another podcast episode. If you guys haven't heard it talking about the details of the binge and emotional eating I experienced, I went really, really deep. And I'll actually link the, cause I can't remember the episode title off the top of my head. It's also posted on my IG in my video section, but I go really deep on my relationship to food and my body and what I went through. So if you're more curious about my story and what I've been through, go back and revisit that. But circling this back, the reason I'm doing this, the reason I asked you guys these questions is because I know what it feels like to struggle. I know what it feels like to struggle and I know what it feels like to not think that there's a way out, to not think that there is a way to heal your relationship to food in your body. And I'm on the other side of it. So I'm here to be that light for you, to show you that it is possible for you to heal your relationship to food if you desire to. 
And this is also why I created my course, Diet Culture Dropout. You might have heard of it before. Diet Culture Dropout is my signature course that is 12 weeks to ending the diet binge and emotional eating cycle. So you can finally feel comfortable in your body, create a healthy relationship to food and live the free, peaceful life you desire. This is my signature course that I created because I am so very passionate about helping you heal your relationship to food. Because like I said, being on the other side of it and watching my clients be on the other side of it, it never fails to amaze me, especially when I reflect on my journey, how much changes when you start this journey. Healing my relationship to food and my body was truly the start of my spiritual awakening, I call it. And that can sound a little woo-woo for people. But if you go on the Diet Culture Dropout page, which I'll link, You can read testimonials and wins from other members in the program, and you'll see that you get so much more than just healing your relationship to food and your body. And for the last time ever, this is actually kind of sad saying this, but for the last time ever, this course is launching for the last time ever. This course is launching. You guys are actually the first to hear that nobody else knows. Well, besides one person that this is the last time it's launching. So I guess I should say that lightly because this is the last time diet culture dropout is launching as is in 2022, I'm rebranding and upgrading the entire program. Why am I doing that? Because as I continue to evolve on my journey, I learn more and more. I embody more and more, and I have more and more to give. So I'm upgrading the whole program in 2022, and it's going to be more about numbing vices in general, because I'm sure if you struggle with your relationship to food, you could probably start to look at your life and be like, okay, yeah, I definitely turn to food when I feel anxious, when I feel stressed, when I feel feel overwhelmed, but I also turn to Netflix. I also turn to weed. I also turn to wine. I also turn to starting a fight with my partner. I turn to social media scrolls. There are so many different ways that we numb, avoid, and suppress emotions in life. So In 2022, the rebrand is really going to be about helping anybody and everybody who's ready to heal their relationships to these vices do so, so that they can start filling their life with things that feel more fulfilled rather than turning to these vices that are destructive to who we would desire to become. So this is the last time it's launching as diet culture dropout and launching as a program that's solely surrounded with content that is specific to food and body. This is also the last time that it's launching at this price point. And for this holiday launch, I actually have some specials for you guys. So you can get $300 plus off of the program right now, just for this launch specifically. And if you type in the code pretty vibe tribe, you can get $50 off if you enroll by December 8th, which is one week from today. So if this is something you're interested in, or you've been interested in, I know that there are some of you listening who have been interested in this for a while. You were interested during the first launch and it ended up being a no then. If it's feeling like a yes now, now is the time to join because it's never going to be this cheap again. Like I said, with the upgrades in 2022, which you will receive, it's going to, the price is going to go up. So if you enroll now, you'll pay this price, the holiday launch price, but you're going to receive all the 2022 upgrades as well. In addition to that, for the holiday launch, you of course receive my mini course, Hungry for a Wholesome Holiday, which is a course that's a lot smaller. It's only five modules that are less than 20 minutes that will just help you with your relationship to food and your body through the holidays, because I know personally that the holidays can be more challenging. And there's also a new payment plan that I'm offering to make it more affordable than ever. So the questions that I'm going to answer in this episode today you are absolutely going to gain clarity and wisdom from the answers. By listening to this episode, I promise you, you will gain value. And if you want to go deeper, because there are so many questions, I'm not going to be able to go super deep on each one. But if you want to go deeper and you actually want to dive into your internal reality and receive the full wisdom and answers to every one of these questions, that is what Diet Culture Dropout is for. So it kind of blew my mind how energetically aligned we all are. I'm looking at these questions and I'm like, literally every single one of these is hit in the deepest way in that course. So if you are ready to heal this once and for all, the link is in the show notes, click that, check out the testimonials, check out the other shares, read through the page and make sure it feels like a fit for you. 
even if it might feel a little scary saying yes to yourself, because I know all about that as well. But remember that the things that create the most massive transformation in our lives are those things that feel equal parts scary and exciting. So if you're ready to do this with me and with a beautiful, amazing community of other humans, I can't brag enough about the members that are in the course right now. Now is your time. So head to the show notes, click the link, type in pretty vibe tribe at checkout for $50 off and you can get started with us. All right, let's move on to this juicy Q and a, I am so excited to answer all of your questions. Question number one, what is the first step for changing your relationship with food? You've already taken it. The first step to changing your relationship with food is having the awareness that your relationship to food is distorted. If you are going about your life and your eating patterns with no conscious awareness of how you're treating your body or what thoughts are underneath the choices you're making, whether that's restricting or overeating or emotional eating, there's no changing it. Like I said, for years, years, you guys, probably like at least 10 years, probably even more than that. I had no idea that my relationship to food was distorted. Like I had mentioned earlier, I thought it was very normal for us to turn to ice cream and cookies and cupcakes when we were bored or sad or angry. So having the awareness that something's off is the first step to shifting your relationship with food. And if you want to take it a little bit deeper, start to pull apart the thoughts and the feelings that are present when you're choosing to either eat or not eat, or when you're choosing to go on a diet or when you're choosing to do something with food, or when you're thinking about food, tap in, what are the thoughts that are active and what are the feelings that are there? So having the awareness that your relationship to food isn't really where you want it to be. And then starting to observe like, okay, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking when I go to the cupboards? Are they thoughts of anxiety of, oh my gosh, I need to get this done. I'm behind in life. I'm behind in this. I need to have this project submitted my boss by midnight or else I fail and I'm going to get fired. Like, what are the thoughts that are there? Are the thoughts like I'm bored and I have nothing to do? Start to observe the thoughts and the feelings that are present before you choosing to either eat or not to eat. That is the first step. Question number two, is there a way to find out why I binge and emotionally eat? Yes, absolutely. This is definitely what diet culture dropout will guide you to do. You will absolutely figure out why you binge and emotionally eat if you join that course. But what I will leave you with now to start to observe this yourself is, well, first of all, if you haven't listened to episode number two of the Her Vibe is Pretty podcast, go do that. That talks all about core beliefs and core beliefs are at the root of all of our choices. Beliefs in our system that were created when we were little from age zero to age eight, our beliefs lead to our thoughts, which leads to our feelings, our actions, and then therefore our results. Binge and emotionally eating is an action. So therefore there is a deeper seated belief underneath that action. And that is how you find out why you binge and emotionally eat. So for example, for me, one of the reasons that I binged and emotionally ate is because deep down, I felt like I wasn't good enough and feeling like I wasn't good enough at the core of who I am led to thoughts of I'm not enough. I can't do this. I'll never succeed. I'll always fail which led to feelings of feeling anxious, feeling sad, feeling overwhelmed, which led to actions of binge and emotionally eating because I didn't know how to process and feel my feels at the time in a healthy way. So I would just numb them out, which led to my results in life of being on this diet binge cycle, this binge emotionally eating cycle and eating with most of my free time when I really wanted to be doing things that are more in alignment with the life that I want to live. So yes, there is definitely a way I'm going to guide you to episode two to start to dive into limiting beliefs to start to figure that out. Next question. How do I find balance between enjoying a holiday feast versus the out of control binge episode? 
This is such a great question that I know so many of you will resonate with. And I want to start by talking about the limiting beliefs in themselves around the holidays. I feel like it's idolized or like glamorized to be in a food coma or to be like, oh, I'm going to eat so much that I, you know, I'm full for days. I feel like it's just, I don't know. (laughs) That sounded funny. I, I just feel like the out of control binge episode is super glamorized and just like accepted in life. And not to say that you should shame yourself if that's what happens. I had the out of control binge episode for so like probably every holiday of my life until a couple of years ago. But first to start to observe the stories around that out of control binge episode. Is it something that your family members do? Is it something that your parents do? Is it something that you've been taught to do? A lot of this, you guys, is not very surface level. It's really about the deeper digging. So what is it in you that leads to the out of control binge episode during the holidays? If you had to guess, what do you think it would be? Is it that there are a bunch of foods available to you that you usually don't keep in the house and that you don't eat? Is it that you don't really align with your family's values? You don't align with the way that your family thinks or lives or acts. And so therefore being around them is really triggering to you. And when you're triggered, it feels really uncomfortable and painful. So you feel like you need to turn to the food to soothe that pain temporarily? Is it that you feel like you're missing out if you don't eat all of the foods? This is very specific to each individual, but really figuring out why I feel the need to binge during the holidays, that is your key. Because once you figure that out and start to peel that apart, it's going to be easier and easier for you to be able to just simply enjoy the holiday feast. The other thing I'll say about this is it can be really, really beneficial to start to tap into why else the holidays like feel good and feel fun. Once again, I feel like society really tends to make holidays about food. It's always a question of like, okay, what are we eating? Who's bringing what? What pie am I making? I need to go get the ingredients, food, food, food. Let's eat it this time. So then we can have leftovers this time. It tends to be all about the food. And so start to tap into why else do I love the holidays? Can I tap into the gratitude that I get to feel for being with people who love me that I love? Can I tap into gratitude for having family and friends to spend the holidays with? Can I tap into the unconditional love that lies in my heart for all humans? Can I feel into the relaxation and the peace that can come with the holidays? When I give myself the full day off of work, can I like, what can you tap into that makes you excited for the holidays rather than just food? Those two things are what helped me find that balance. I'll give you a couple of examples of what this looked like for me in my life, because like I mentioned, for sure, I used to be the one who was the out of control binge episode at every holiday party. And would be the same way with the leftovers and would leave the parties feeling bloated and lethargic and just like crap. And that was no fun. So it first came to a matter of asking myself the question, why do I feel the need to binge? And for me, one of my answers was the example I gave earlier, actually, was that I felt the need to eat it all because I don't keep those things in the house. And this actually, I had to go through this with weddings as well. I felt the same things with weddings. It's like, I better eat all this and I better have a cupcake and I better eat dessert because I don't keep dessert in the house. And I, you know, this might be my only time to eat this stuff. So my biggest aha moment for this was there is always going to be another opportunity to eat pumpkin pie. There is always going to be another opportunity to eat a cookie. There is always going to be another opportunity to eat a meal made by somebody else. So that was my biggest realization is that, oh, wait, the holidays actually aren't going to be the last time to eat all of this stuff. I actually will have another opportunity to eat these things and probably pretty soon. So that in itself just kind of lifted the weight off of my shoulders and 
made it easier and lighter for me to choose what I wanted to choose, but in moderation. And also if, if I wanted all of the things, I would also give myself all of the things, but I just be really mindful about how my body was feeling while I was eating. And that's what I do to this day. So if you have food rules around the holidays, I'm inviting you to just let them go because restricting yourself from things can also lead to that binge. And the mind body connection is super powerful here too. So for me, it looked like figuring out how to cultivate that mind body connection so that when I was eating the cheesy potatoes, I could take a bite and like feel into how my body was feeling. And then I might eat something else and feel into how my body was feeling. And I would just take bites of each thing until my body was like, all right, we're good. We're full. That's enough. Hopefully that helps, but really the binging, whether it's during the holidays or not, there's so much more to it. You guys, there's so much depth to this. And I don't want that to scare you, but rather let it excite you because there is a way to find that balance of enjoying the feast and not binging because that's literally where I'm at today. I, I mean, I can speak to Thanksgiving because it just happened a week ago at the time I'm recording this episode. I was able to go to the Thanksgiving dinner, help my mom make the meals. I was able to enjoy things that I don't eat on an everyday basis. I had, what did I have? So I had some turkey, which I usually don't eat a lot of meat, but I had a little bit. I ate stuffing and I usually don't eat gluten, but I allowed myself to have those things because they sounded good and that's what was there. And I was able to eat until I was full and that's that. And I was able to, oh, and deviled eggs. I had those, which that's not usually something that I would choose, but I had a couple of those and they tasted really good. And I was able to be present with them and enjoy every single bite of them and eat until I was full and be done when I was done and not feel guilty about any of it. And it was beautiful and it was so enjoyable And I tapped in the love and I sat in the present moment with gratitude throughout the entire party through the eating and watching the football and the karaoke that we did. And I had a glass of wine. Actually, I had a couple of glasses of wine with my mom and like that was fun. And I don't usually drink alcohol that often. So I was able to like sip each sip, enjoy each one, enjoy the memories and the bonding moments that her and I had and feel amazing about it. And that's all available to you guys as well, but it's really about starting to pick apart the feelings and the thoughts and the beliefs that are underneath all of these actions. Okay. Moving on. Oh, this one gets me a little fired up. Not going to lie. I want to be able to eat intuitively, but I've been told I need to count macros to get to that point. Is that true? Absolutely not. So take a deep breath and please release that belief because that is not true. And it's actually really contradictory to intuitive eating. And here's why intuitive eating is listening to your body to choose what to eat, when to eat and when to stop eating. Counting macros is not listening to your intuition. It's not listening to your body. Counting macros is listening to somebody else's opinion of how many calories you quote unquote should or shouldn't be eating when you should be eating those calories, how many of those calories should be made up of protein, carbs, and fats. It's literally a machine and a calculation deciding what you should eat for you, not your intuition. So it's super contradictory. Whoever told you that I would suggest maybe just stepping away from their teachings because that it makes no sense at all. I actually have a really good story about this. So I was in a phase in college of counting macros. So this is when I was really on the diet binge cycle for a couple of years. I learned how to count macros and I started doing it and I was pretty strict about it with the exception of the fact that Counting macros literally led me to binging even more because at one point when I was counting macros, it felt really restrictive, which would lead to binging. But anyway, the story I'm about to tell you is actually not that. So I was counting macros and it was, it was a time when, because you guys, oh my gosh, I have learned from so many different people in college in my days of binge and emotional eating and beyond the cycle. 
I've learned from so many different quote unquote professionals when it comes to macros on how many macros I should be eating one says, or how many calories I should be eating and what percentages the macro should be. So one told me you should be eating 1500 calories a day, and it should be 35% protein and this much fat and this much carbs, this many carbs. And then the other one would be like, oh no, you should be eating 21 calories, 2,100 calories a day. And these are what your percentages should be. Like if you look up macro calculators online, you will literally find probably at least 10 different opinions on what you should be eating, which once again is super contradictory to intuitively eating. All right. So I was in a phase of counting macros where the person had suggested that I eat. I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was in the 2000 somewhere. So 2000 something calories a day. And so I'm like, all right. So the part of me that was really into binge and emotional eating and loved eating because my life really used to revolve around eating that part of me was pumped because I was like, Oh heck yeah. Like more food. This human is going to give me permission to eat more food. All right. I'm going to do this. So I had in my little macro calculator, I was using my fitness pal at the time I typed in the calories, which were over 2000. I typed in my percentages and I can remember you guys, I see the image so clearly because it was that profound of a moment for me. I can feel right now as we speak in my body, the pain that I felt in that moment, it was 9 PM. I had already a breakfast snack, lunch, snack, dinner, and I still hadn't met my calorie goal or my macro goal for the day. And once again, there was two parts of me here. There was the part of me that was like, Ooh, I get to keep eating. I get to give myself permission to keep eating. Like, heck yeah. Let me go make one of my yummy oatmeal, peanut butter, chocolate bowls and bring it back up to my room and hide in my room and watch my Netflix because that was my comfort zone. That was my safety zone at the time before I knew how to find safety in my body. And so that part of me was like pumped. Yeah. So I went down to my kitchen in one of the college houses I lived in and I made up my little concoction. Yep. This is going to hit my macros. Awesome. I typed into my calculator. Yep. Hits my macros. I go back up to my bedroom. I sit on my bed with my bowl of oatmeal and peanut butter and all the things. And I start eating it and I keep eating and I'm starting to feel super full. And I'm like one fourth of the way done with this oatmeal, but I I feel so full and I'm like, Nope, God hit my macros. So I keep going. I keep going. So first of all, wrapping this back to your question, intuitive eating is listening to your body. So when your body tells you I'm full, you stop eating. When your body tells you I'm hungry, you start at this point, like eating this oatmeal, my body was not hungry. My, my intuitive body was not telling me we're hungry. And when I started eating it to hit my macros, my body was telling me I'm really full, but the mind in me was running the show based off of what somebody else told me I should be eating. So I start eating this oatmeal. I'm getting full. I'm getting full. I'm getting full. I'm like, Nope, got to keep going. Got to keep going. It came to the point where I literally was about to puke. I was so full and the oatmeal wasn't done. But at that point, I'm like, I gotta, I I literally have to stop or I'm going to vomit. And so I stopped and it was just such a sick feeling. And I'm sure if you struggle with binge and emotional eating, you've probably had this feeling before. I know I've definitely had it a lot of times, but this is one of the most profound moments. It was one of the most profound moments in my journey because I'm like, whoa, what somebody else is telling me to do feels awful in my body. Like something is off here. So the answer to that question is no, that is not true. If you desire to intuitively eat, delete the calorie counters and start diving into your internal reality, to your beliefs, your thoughts, your feelings, everything that makes up your subconscious mind, which is what's controlling your reality. Start there. This next soul asked a beautiful question that I'm so excited to go into with you guys. The question reads, I need more help with feeling compassionate toward myself, mind, and soul. I have fully embraced and forgiven my body because there is nothing to forgive. It is my lovely home and it has taken care of me through so much, fat or not. But I get frustrated with my mind and soul for not being kinder and taking better care of this body. It deserves better. And I feel frustrated with myself for not giving it better sometimes. How many of you can resonate with wanting so badly to treat your body better? 
wanting so badly to nourish your body, to honor your body and to stop eating when your body is full, to start treating your body with respect, to start giving it movement and water. You so badly want that, but you feel like you just can't because there's another part of you that makes these choices that don't feel good. There's another part of you that shames yourself. There's another part of you that tells you to get up and run to the fridge or the cupboards every time something goes wrong or every time you're bored or whatever it is. How many can you, how many of you can resonate with having these two sides of you? Like one of them, that's like, Oh, this is so frustrating. I just want to give my body the care it deserves. I want to care for my body. I want to treat it better. And then there's this part of you that's like, "Mm -mm, we can't do that. I'm sure that all of you resonate with that. And I want to mention too, this is with of course, binge emotional eating, but it's with restricting too. Sometimes you may restrict and there's like a part of you that's like, oh, I just wish that I I could just eat and nourish myself when I'm hungry. But there's another part of you that's like, uh-uh, we have to lose weight or we have to be super skinny or we have to X, Y, and Z in order to whatever it is. I wanted to go in deeper there, but the conscious mind in you is pro- or the subconscious is probably like, we need to be skinny because we need to be pretty or loved or worthy or enough or whatever it is. So we have a couple of things to go in here into here first. What I'm going to start with is just a little bit of a tweak. And I want you to just kind of sit with this response. Our souls want what's best for our bodies, for our physical bodies. So picture it like this soul evolve self, highest self intuition, whatever you want to call it. It's that non-physical part of you. That's inside of you. Maybe you experienced before, maybe you have never experienced it before. Either way, we all have this soul. So your soul starts in the non-physical where whatever that is, wherever that may be, it's not on earth. And your soul drops into your baby body in your birth mom's womb or whatever you believe. I, in the spiritual realm, they say that the soul drops into the womb and, and into the physical body at like I can't remember the weeks, maybe like 22 weeks or something. Some say that the soul drops into the body right when you come out of your mother's womb. Whatever you believe, our soul drops into this physical body. Our bodies are a vessel here on earth. Our bodies are a vessel for our soul to experience the material realm. Our bodies house our souls and our minds. So, therefore, because our bodies are our vessels to experience the material realm, which our souls wouldn't be able to do if they didn't come to earth. Right. So our souls are non-physical. So when they're not in our bodies, they're not, in, they're not experiencing the material world. They're not, maybe they are on earth. Maybe they're not, but they're not experiencing material because they're non-physical. So when your soul comes into your body, your soul innately wants your body to thrive. Of course it does, right? Because what soul would want to live in a body that's either feeling depleted or lethargic or exhausted or messed with? No, like our souls want our bodies to thrive. And in my beliefs, our souls actually have all of the wisdom. Our souls know exactly what we need to function. I truly believe that. I believe that our souls are given the wisdom by whoever whoever you want to believe in God, source, higher power, Buddha, Allah, whatever, whatever you believe, our souls are gifted this divine wisdom before they come onto earth on how to treat our bodies so that we can thrive because it's only when we're thriving that we can fully enjoy the fruits of this material world. So I'm going to start with, I have a feeling that it's not your soul. That's not being kind and taking care of your body. I have a feeling that it's just a part of your mind. So that's where we're going to go next. So I hear two parts of your mind here. I hear there's this part of you that says, I fully embrace and forgive my body. There's nothing to forgive. It's my lovely home. It takes care of me through so much fat or not. And I, I want to take care of it and it deserves better. So there's this part of your mind, right? Which I'm going to label it right now as the conscious mind. And then there's this part of your mind that doesn't treat your body that well, that is full of shameful thoughts that forces you into actions that don't feel good, whether it's under eating or overeating that leads you to choose 
the couch and Netflix over a yoga flow or a walk or whatever kind of movement feels good for you. So what I'm hearing here is there's these, there's the conscious mind. That's like, yes, I want to treat my body well. And then there's the subconscious mind that's full of chaos and confusion and limiting beliefs and traumas and wounds that are actually creating your reality because our subconscious mind, and this is proven by science. If you want the science of it, look up Joe Dispenza. He'll explain it. The subconscious mind is 90. It creates 95% of our thoughts, feelings, actions, words, habits, hobbies. Those things come from the subconscious mind, 95% of them. So there's this 5% of you that's conscious. That's like, yeah, I want to be friends with my body. I want to take care of my body. Why can't I do that? And the reason that it's such a struggle is because the subconscious mind, which is 95% of you is overriding that 5% all the time. I shouldn't say all the time. I take that back majority of the time it's overriding the conscious mind 95% of the time. So that is why it can feel like such a fight when it comes to food and body stuff, because it's the subconscious mind, which to make this simple, the conscious mind in me right now, I am definitely channeling words right now from the subconscious wisdom that I've created and from my soul really. But the conscious mind in me right now is speaking to the conscious mind in you. Usually when you're talking, um, listening to a podcast or listening to a video or just talking to somebody about a problem, it's typically one conscious mind to another conscious mind. And it can feel freeing to do that, but I'm sure you've realized this before. Let's say you have a problem and all you do is talk about that problem to somebody, that problem keeps coming back up over and over again, either with the same situation or a different one. And there's not really ever a solution that's created. There's not ever any permanent change or shifts that's created. And the reason for that is because in order to create shifts and change in your life and your actions, and therefore in your results, you have to access the subconscious mind. Now it's not, we, we can't just snap a finger right now and be like, all right, subconscious mind do this instead of that. If we could, we'd all be doing it. So this is where subconscious work really, really comes in handy. A lot of the times we're walking around with all of these subconscious traumas and wounds and limiting beliefs and energies that we are not consciously aware of because you can't access your subconscious mind unless you intentionally consciously do it. So that is why I personally When I went through my journey, I did a bunch of subconscious work. And to this day, I still do. There's a bit of conscious work that I do for sure. Like mindset work is pretty conscious. Most of the time it's the affirmations, it's the journaling, but unless you tap into the subconscious, unless you start to explore like, Hmm, what might be in my subconscious, nothing will ever change. So my answer for you is to start exploring ways to shift the subconscious mind. Now, I want to remind you all again that diet culture dropout is full of that. It's literally the step-by-step on how to access and shift the subconscious. Every single meditation that you'll do in diet culture dropout is a subconscious somatic meditation, which will help you start to shift things. Inner child work, subconscious, breath work, subconscious, tapping, subconscious, intuitive somatic movement, subconscious. We have to start to shift the subconscious We have to figure out what beliefs are even hanging out in the subconscious. So once again, shifting the subconscious mind, which when I say subconscious mind, I don't want you to think of just the brain. I used to think that for a long time, like, oh, the brain is the subconscious mind. No, the subconscious mind is there's parts of the brain that are subconscious, but the body is your subconscious mind for the most part, because wounds, belief, limiting beliefs, traumas, doubts, fears, worries are usually stored in our body. If you want more on that, go to the body, keep score. It's a book. But anyway, so you, you have to consciously tap into that. And so in diet culture dropout as well, there is a lot of logical conscious subconscious work, if that makes sense. So basically I will lead and guide your conscious mind to start to figure out and explore what is even there in your subconscious mind. Cause if you don't know what's active in your subconscious mind, you're never going to understand why it's so hard for you to take care of and nourish your body, to choose foods that feel good, to start eating when you're hungry and to stop eating when you're full. You're never going to get it. And and in addition to that, like I said, this is so much more than food and body. You're never going to be able to figure out 
why it's so hard for you to grow your business, why it's so hard for you to move up and get a promotion in your job, why it's so challenging for you to maintain a really healthy partnership and relationship, why it's so hard for you to cultivate peace and fulfillment and contentment in your body. Subconscious work is where it's at. So if you're feeling like you have two sides of you, this part of you that really wants the things you want and desire with food, with your body, with your career, with your relationships, with your relationship to yourself. And then there's a part of you that's just like not doing it. It's because you're being ran by the subconscious. All right. Next question, how to balance being gentle with myself when it happens. So I'm assuming that this individual was referring to binge and emotional eating because that's what the question was surrounding. So how to balance being gentle with myself when binge and emotional eating happens with discipline to stop the cycle. The biggest thing that stands out to me here is the word discipline. And here's why discipline is masculine. Healing your relationship to food and your body happens in the feminine. I'm going to say that again. Discipline is masculine. Healing your relationship to food and your body happens in the feminine, in the compassion, in the softness, in the understanding, in the subconscious meditations, in the subconscious breath work, in the the heart opening, healing your relationship to food and to binge and emotional eating happens in the feminine. So if there's a part of you that's like, I got to discipline my way out of this. I got to effort and mental my way out of this. It's never going to work sustainably because healing your relationship to food happens in the feminine. This also is just a little bit contradictory because there's a part of you that wants to be gentle with yourself, but also have discipline to stop. I'm just going to leave you with this being more gentle with yourself, being more in your feminine when binge and emotional eating happens will innately help you overcome this. Being soft and gentle and compassionate and understanding with yourself and your body when you eat too much or when you binge eat is so somebody earlier asked me, what's the first step to healing your relationship to food? And I would say that that takes a close second is just being more compassionate with yourself. And this seems really contradictory because, and it did to me at first too, there was a part of me that's like, forgive myself for binge eating be nice to myself for binge eating. Yeah. That's never going to work because then I'm just going to give myself permission to do it all the time. That was the mentality I had being on the other side of it. I promise you that's not true because my question is how many times have you shamed yourself and try to discipline yourself to stop the cycle and then ended back at the action or the habit of binge and emotional eating? It just doesn't work. So there was finally a point. I was so resistant to this at first in my journey And there was a, finally a point, kind of an aha moment where I'm like, okay, shaming myself for binge and emotional eating, being hard on myself for doing so doing things to combat it, like trying to start a diet or trying to skip a meal or trying to go work out after I do it. That has not worked. I always end up binge and emotional eating again. So maybe I can just try this compassion thing. Maybe I can just be a little nicer to myself when I binge and emotionally eat. Maybe I can just give myself some forgiveness knowing that I'm doing the best I can for what I know. Maybe I can just give myself a lot of grace when it happens, when I binge and emotionally eat and trust that I don't know enough yet about my subconscious mind to fully overcome this. And that's okay. I'm doing the best I can for what I know. And that's all I can do. Progress is not my business. My body is on the journey. I'm showing up for my coursework. I am learning the tools. I'm learning about different aspects of my subconscious mind, about my inner child, about my upbringing, about identities and limiting beliefs. I'm showing up for myself. I'm learning about body safety, what it means to feel safe in my body. And that's all I can do. And eventually it will sink into the body and this will be healed. But for now, I'm doing the best I can for what I know to feel safe, to feel comfortable, to get through whatever I'm going through right now. And that's literally all I can do. So when I started trying that, it worked. (laughs) I mean, it literally worked like not overnight. 
absolutely it was a practice because it was so habitual for me to go into shaming and like discipline and try to masculine my way out of it and set a plan to never binge emotionally eat again. It was so innate for me to do that, that it was, it was definitely challenging for me to shift into compassion, but I finally did it after showing up over and over again for that. And it worked. It was a huge part of my healing journey. So hopefully that helps take a deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth, open your heart, open your heart to your mind, to the part of you that's doing the best you can for what you know, to your body, to your soul, and just trust that with gentleness and with that feminine energy, you will make progress. Our next question is about disordered eating in itself. And that is how not to relapse into disordered eating patterns when noticing weight gain. I'm actually going to ask a question back to you. Have disordered eating patterns ever helped you achieve what you desire in a sustainable and fulfilling way? Has in the past going into disordered eating, first of all, ask yourself the question because it could be a no. It might be a yes, but it could be a no. Has disordered eating ever helped you lose weight and feel really good about yourself and your body? And maybe it has. And if it has, how long has that lasted in the past? And did it feel good? Did the process of getting there feel good and feel fulfilling and feel peaceful and fun and expansive and enlightened? My guess is going to be that that's a no. So my question to you is, can you ask yourself, can you reframe this instead and be like, okay, I'm noticing weight gain. How else might I be able to walk on a lighter body frame? How else might I be able to nourish my body so that I feel really good and alive and loving toward myself? That doesn't involve eating at all or disordered eating. And that can be really tough to answer, of course. But in my opinion, you might have heard me say this before. It's not about the food. I was so triggered when I first heard that. I was like, what do you mean it's not about the food? Yeah, it is. I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I love peanut M&Ms. I love cupcakes and brownies and all of the sweets. It's totally about the food. I'm addicted to the food. No, I was addicted to food. I had a food addiction, but it wasn't about the food itself. So I'm wondering if you can, even if that's triggering to you, I'm wondering if you can kind of open your heart and be like, okay, if it's true, just play with it. If it's true that the weight gain I'm experiencing isn't about the food, what might it be about? Now, I'm not saying that the food in itself isn't what's causing you to gain weight. Like that's, it might be, I'm not going to say it's probably, it might be the direct cause. And the reason I say might be is because we can actually store physical emotions and traumas in the body so much that it leads to weight gain. I know somebody personally, when I first went through this program to heal my relationship to food in my body, there was a woman in my cohort who lost 40 pounds throughout our journey without changing one thing in her diet or in her movement practice without changing one thing about diet and exercise. She lost 40 pounds. Why? Because she went deep into some emotional release. She moved through a lot of emotional stuff. She had a lot of aha moments and that in itself helped her lose weight. So there's a chance that the food might not be the cause, but because you're asking about, about food stuff, I'm assuming maybe, maybe you notice yourself either binge and emotional eating, which I get because for me too, I also gained weight and I, I shouldn't say weight. I'm like, I am also a believer that, cause this has happened to me before. I usually on the scale. I usually weigh the same when I have a like toned body versus a body with a lot of extra fat. Like my weight personally usually stays about the same. And it's because of like how much muscle actually weighs compared to fat. So I don't love saying like weight gain, but I know what you're saying. And if that works for you, beautiful, but binge and emotional eating definitely created more fat on my body. So I get it. Like, of course food can be the cause, or maybe you're noticing that you're choosing 
unhealthy foods or foods that society deems as unhealthy. I should say, maybe you're choosing more fast food lately or more cookies or more cake or, you know, holiday season comes around. The foods aren't maybe the most nourishing for our physical bodies. So while that the food could be the direct cause, when I say it's not about the food, what I mean is that there is a reason you're choosing those foods. There is a reason you're binge eating. There is a reason you're turning to food when you're feeling emotional. There is a reason you're choosing fast food over foods that nourish you and make you feel light and airy and and nourished and energized. There is always underneath our actions to once again, grab food or not grab food. There's always feelings underneath those, which come from thoughts, which comes from beliefs, how you not relapse into disordered eating patterns is starting to come to that realization that it's not about the food. Because if it were about the food, and I'm going to leave you with this. If it were about the food, we'd all already have this figured out. If it were about the food, the entire world would have this figured out. If it were about the food, we would all be nourishing our bodies. If it were about the food, we would all feel good in our bodies. We would all walk on our natural body frames. We would all feel light and free and alive and energized and expansive. You can literally Google and start to research on your own the best ways to nourish your body. And that's what's going to, part three is going to be all about that because of course there's a lot of contradiction out there. But in general, I'm just going to leave you guys with a baseline right now. In general, we all know it's all, it's very common knowledge that water, plants, leafy greens, vegetables, fruits, things that the earth produces, sleep, meditation, stress reduction, the breath, being able to breathe, all of those things are like, those are, I would say like my top five make me feel nourished. And majority of people, if they started embodying those five things would feel a lot better. So if it were about that, we all have that common knowledge. Oh, and movement. I don't think I put movement in there. We all are aware that plants and vegetables and fruits and movement for the most part, because I know that some people have some digestive issues and can't really digest vegetables and fruits really well, which topic for another day. But if it were about the food, we all commonly know how to nourish our bodies and what to eat to do so. So if it were that easy where it's like, yeah, just eat this way and you're good to go and you'll walk on your natural body frame, we'd all be doing it because we all have the knowledge. There's so much knowledge and wisdom out there on how to nourish our bodies properly. It's not that easy. It's really not that easy. So instead of looking at, oh, I need to start restricting and go back on a diet in order to lose this weight. Could you maybe just try approaching it from this perspective and see what happens? And another piece of this too, is just being able to, to love and accept your body as it is when there's resistance to the weight gain. And there's like a lot of like, oh, this sucks. I'm gaining weight. I'm heavy. I'm bigger than I usually am. I'm embarrassed. What will resist persist? So having a resistance toward the way that your body is can also really hinder you from walking on the body frame that you desire to. For me personally, it was when I finally chose to love my body the way it is without the six pack fabs, without the slim toned arms. It was when I finally was like, okay, I love my body. Even when it's fluffy, even when I have love handles, that's when I finally began to see my natural body frame come back. And I don't, that's definitely not ironic. And once again, that's easier said than done. So if you want more support with this, Diet Culture Dropout is there for you. That's what it is intended to do is to help you love your body the way it is so that you can heal your relationship to food and your body for good. All right. I'm going to answer two more questions and we are going to make this a part one because I know that this is getting pretty long. We'll make a part two for tomorrow. So if this was helpful, definitely come back to tomorrow's episode for more. Our next question is tips for not feeling guilty and simply enjoying without stuffing myself. I'm going to break this up a bit. So I hear I want tips for simply enjoying without stuffing myself. And then I I hear I want tips for not feeling guilty. So I'm actually just going to address 
the without stuffing myself, because if you enjoy your meal without stuffing yourself, chances are there's not going to be any guilt. So if you want more clarity on the guilt thing, message me, but tips for simply enjoying without stuffing myself. Number one, be present with your meal, minimize distractions and be present with your meal. Chew every single bite that helps you be present with your meal. Pay attention to the flavors of whatever you're eating that helps you be present. Belly breathing while you're eating helps you be present. I seriously belly breathe as I eat in and out of the belly as I'm taking each bite. I attempt to put down my fork or my spoon between each bite. And the mind in you might be like, oh, that's so boring, but it's really not. That's contradictory as well. Cause I, I only bring that up because the mind in me used to think that this is, this is too boring. I'm going to eat too slow. I don't know. It was just conditioned in me to believe that we have to scarf down our food. I don't know. Maybe I saw my parents doing it. Maybe I saw somebody else doing it. Probably both are true because I feel like in society in general, especially in America, we live in that culture where you just like hurry up and eat your meal and get out, eat breakfast and get ready and go to the school bus, eat breakfast and get ready and head out to work scarf down lunch and get back to work, hurry up and eat lunch because we only have a half hour for lunch and we really want to get out on the playground. Right. So paying attention to the stories behind eating quickly can help you here. So slow down when you eat, be present with your meal, belly breathe, chew each bite, put your fork or spoon down, your utensil down between each bite. Those are my top tips for enjoying your meal without fully stuffing yourself. As you do that, as you start to eat slower, chew more, those are very logical tips that seriously will take you so far. You'll, you will like that in itself will help you begin to cultivate that mind body connection that I'm always referring to is slowing down and just having awareness while you're eating. There is a point too. I want to, cause the one thing that I thought I thought of is, and a lot of my clients tell me this, and I used to be the same way. I used to eat with a show on every single meal at least lunch and dinner, but sometimes even breakfast when I was really in my struggle days. And a lot of the time that would create a major distraction for me. So I'd have no awareness as to what was going in my mouth. And all of a sudden I'd be like, holy cow, I feel like I could puke right now. And it was because I was just scarfing down the food as I was super distracted by the show. Now that's not to say that you can't do both because while I actually enjoy at this point, I really enjoy not having distractions while I eat. It feels peaceful for me. It feels really like a deep connection and it, it really makes the experience of eating more gratifying. And it feels better for my body and my soul and my mind as well, because the mind in me just can't handle too much overstimulation, but that's not to say I never do it. There is a way to be able to watch a show and eat while you're still aware of what you're eating. And I will say that those tips that I just gave you, slowing down, chewing your food, paying attention to what's in your mouth will really help you do that. So those are your tips to enjoying your food without stuffing yourself. And if you do that, then the guilt most likely will not follow. All right. Last question for part one, how not to let a day of bad meal choices ruin my mood for the whole day. Oh, this is such a good question. And I know that so many of you can relate to this. I know I can. I used to, oh, if I chose, you know what? The one that stands out the most, the most to me, and it's probably because it was at the beginning of the day. If I went out for breakfast and I got like pancakes or something that didn't serve my body, but served my mind, I felt like shit for the rest of the day physically. Sometimes if I would eat pizza for dinner, I would feel like shit mentally. I would have like these mind games happening. Why'd you eat that pizza? You didn't hit your macros. Now you ate dairy. You're going to break out. You're going to be fat. You, you must go to the gym tomorrow morning ASAP. No matter how you feel, no matter how tired you are, get your ass to the gym tomorrow because you just ate pizza. Like I, I just want to share that. I understand what you're going through. and. Here is my best piece of advice for you is to trust in the quote I was saying earlier, you are doing the best you can for what, you know, forgiveness is a huge, huge, huge piece of this. When I say you guys that you're doing the best you can for what I know, what I mean is you're doing the best you can 
for what you know about your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind, 95% of you, is making all of your decisions. It's choosing what to eat. It's choosing what not to eat. And if you have no idea what's happening in your subconscious mind, if you've never done any subconscious work, you're doing the best you can consciously. You only have 5% capacity of making choices that are in alignment with your highest self. So forgiving yourself after eating quote unquote, a bad meal, which is going to be my second part to this question, forgiving yourself after choosing a meal that's maybe not in alignment with your highest self and trusting I'm doing the best I can for what I know. It's okay. One meal is not going to completely shift my body. Like right now in this moment, letting it go and surrendering to it is what's going to really, really help you here. And that's my second piece of this is maybe get away from labeling things as good and bad. This is also something that the mind in me had resistance to, but when we label things as bad, a lot of shame comes out. So if you're like, okay, I just chose a bad meal yet again. And you let all these thoughts come in around the bad meal and why you're so bad for choosing a bad meal. Of course, that's going to ruin your mood. Can you see foods in a different way? And I actually had a mentor once who was like, can you just see all foods as, as what they are food? And can you stop attaching so many labels to what's healthy and what's not? And even though I'm definitely approaching that, and I'm getting closer to that mentality now, I will say that I realize that it's really hard to go from this is good. This is bad to like no attachments, no labels to food. And so what I'm inviting you to do is start to, instead of approaching foods as good or bad, because good and bad, those words in itself have so much energy from our inner child and from our childhood. And if you disappointed mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or your guardian growing up, if you disappointed them and said, you're being a bad girl, you're being a bad boy. And that made you feel really sad as a kid. That part of you may be controlling you today. So when you start to tell yourself you are bad for eating this bad meal, the energetics that made your inner child feel really sad and disappointed and frustrated when they were young are going to come back up in your life today. So this is kind of giving you guys a deeper dive into the subconscious and how it plays a role today. So can you start to see meals as, Ooh, like maybe you eat a meal and you're like feeling a little bloated or you're feeling a little foggy. Can you be like, Ooh, hmm, let me just use this as data. That meal was not in alignment with my highest health. That meal was not in alignment with my blueprint for health. We all have a blueprint of health. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier, that our souls know how to thrive. Our souls know how to nourish our bodies. Our souls have the blueprint for health. So can you start to see these quote unquote bad meal choices as, "Mm, okay, this is just data. I feel bloated. I feel foggy. I feel lethargic right now. This is data indicating that this meal was not in alignment with my highest self and my highest life. And I intend to move forward and choose choices that are more in alignment with my highest self and my highest health that are in alignment with my blueprint to health. If you start to reframe the way you see meals like that, and then on the other end of it too, those quote unquote good meals, can you start to see them as, Ooh, I feel really nourished. I feel alive. I feel energized after eating this meal. This feels really good. This feels in alignment. I'm celebrating me. Can you start to really hone into that as well? Those two things will really help you here. And once again, just come back to the forgiveness time and time again. And here's what I'll wrap up part one with. You're all doing the best you can for what you know. This stuff is deep. We are not taught any of this as children. We're usually not even taught any of this as adults. So I'm glad that you made it here because there is still a very big part of our society who, once again, the the people who are running our systems they really, really want us to struggle with food and body because they make so much money off of diet culture. They make so much money off of making us hate our bodies, influencing us to hate our bodies, or in other words, influencing us from such a young age to want to look like the models, to want to be skinny and whatever their definition of pretty is. They, in my opinion, and this is getting like a little political, which I'm going to try to tread waters lightly because this is not about this. But in my opinion, when we eat processed foods, even when we are, they put, you guys probably all know by now that chemicals are added to processed foods that 
create an addictive sense in our mind. So when we are eating all these processed foods and we do become addicted to these foods, we get sick and then we have to go to the doctor and we have to get, not have to, a lot of people choose to get drugs to cure their sickness and the drug industry as a multi-billion dollar industry. So what I'm trying to say is that our societies make a lot of money. They make a lot of money from us having issues with these things. And so therefore a lot of people in the world are still struggling with them. So I'm proud of you for being here. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you for being here because this is how we change the way things are going. This is how we all start to love ourselves again. This is how we all start to nourish ourselves again, to be fulfilled and happy and healthy, because we all know that diets and hating our bodies and shaming ourselves does not make us feel good and healthy and happy. But you being here, starting to explore your relationship to food and your body is what's going to change the world as we know it. So let me know if these answers landed with you. Let me know if you feel complete. If one of your questions was answered today, DM me and let me know if it was helpful. Let me know if you feel complete. And as I mentioned before, all of these questions are covered in detail and they invite you to go into your uniqueness and your unique subconscious mind because they're all so different. We all have such different upbringings and wounds and traumas and limiting beliefs and thoughts and all the things. So in diet culture dropout, I take you deeper into every single one of these questions and I give you prompts to go deeper into you to figure out why it is that you specifically struggle with these things. Diet culture dropout is your 12 weeks to finally having your breakthroughs and aha moments that you've been waiting for your entire life. So just a reminder, if you enroll by December 8th, which is one week from today, if you're listening to this live, you can get $50 off with the code pretty vibe tribe. And because I started a new payment plan, that means you could start for as little as like, I think it's like 137. No, 127. You could literally get started for as little as $127 today. You will not be disappointed. The course is amazing. The group is amazing. The meditations are amazing. The monthly live Q and A's are amazing. It's just such a vibe. So if you're ready to go into this and overcome this once and for all, the link is in the show notes, or you can DM me. If you have any hesitations and you want to know, is this for me? I don't know. This, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm like in between message me. I am so open to answering any of your questions about the course, about the program. And just a reminder, there's a bunch of shares from members in the program right now. If you want to learn a little bit more about what people have created in that container. All right. I love you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow for part two. Bye for now.